Wednesday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. Man, did, that feels good to say. Did you almost uh, mess up there? Did you get close? No, no. I, I tried to build up a little suspense just, just for the sake of the audience. Uh, but yes, so let's just dive right into it, folks. We are on a new platform. We are no longer the Anaheim Calling podcast. We have moved over to our own website, crashthepond.com which is also the name of this podcast, Crash the Pond. Uh, that's where we're going to be hosting the show out of. It's going to give us so much more freedom to have more guests on, to just do a lot more with the site. So, Jake, do you want to kind of dive into that a little deeper here, tell people about what, what we've got in the works here? Yeah, so basically Felix and I are going to be trying to provide you with consistent content, whether that be podcast form, whether that be article form. And I know that right now, with everything that's going on in the world, people are kind of starved for some content uh, due to being stuck at home, not having a whole lot to do. And so we're trying to fill that void as best as we can, basically. And so, for instance, today, article already up um, outside of kind of the two kind of template type of articles. Um, and Jake, Jake is writing. Yes, that, that, that's how major this shift. Yes, has been. exactly. Exactly. So there's already an article up uh, from me uh, saying how Ricard Raquel went from beloved to underrated kind of look at shooting percentage and things along those lines, um, essentially trying to calm everyone down a little bit, as I've said on the show with Ricard Raquel, and he's might not be what we all thought he was at one point, but he's still a pretty good player. And we have a couple other things kind of in the works in the hopper. Um, we will be having an article coming out, I believe, tomorrow is the current plan, breaking down some of the, the potential draft prospects, and that's going to be coming from Tony Leo. He's coming over and going to help us out a little bit on the website with different prospect type of things. And so that should be coming tomorrow. Felix, you have anything in the works right now? Uh, I do, but I think, I think the rule that we're operating on is one article on the site a day. Yes. Let, let everyone have Weekday. their... their their time, yeah, and, and on the weekdays, yeah. Let every article get, get its shine, uh, get its time in the sun. So, yeah, I have something for the end of the week. Yep. We are we are working on that. Yep. Um, and, but, and I, but, yeah, sorry, go ahead. And I can also say that I believe, if we kind of schedule this correctly, next Monday I'll probably have up some form of ranking. And Ooh. as I tease in the article, I'm probably going to try to do every player or not every player, every kind of major line. So get four lines, three D pairs and the goalies for the ducks and do a ranking for them based on the entire season. And the topic mm -hmm. that I'm going to do with it is wrestling pay-per-views from this past year. Man, we might have to make a rule. Well, we might have to make a nope. rule for the site. As I'm wearing an orange Cassidy shirt. Yeah. All right. That's enough wrestling for the rest of the show. So, <laughs> Yes, we are very excited. Um, hit us up on Twitter. We made a, a Twitter profile at Crash the Pond. Um, we've already got some good feedback on there, soliciting everyone for for topics because obviously uh, we've got to come up with some content here throughout the the next few weeks. So and potentially months, most likely months. So more than likely, definitely. Again, that's at Crash the Pond on Twitter. Check us out there. Exciting times. Um, this was a long time coming, but it kind of, kind of all happened really quickly last weekend. We just decided to, to pull the trigger and here we are. Honestly, it was pretty seamless. I mean, I, I essentially had to do nothing. Jake did all the technical work, but yeah. you know, that, that, give it, that that's not, give Jake a pat on the back. that's not abnormal for this show. So yeah, it's the, norm. <laughs> it's, it's the standard. Yeah, it, it is kind of funny how it happened where it was legitimately you and I texting one night and it was say, screw it. Let, let's do it. Let's pull the trigger. Let's make this thing. And kind of over the span of a day or two, we had the entire website kind of the, the bones of it built. It's we're, we're still going to add to it. We still want to kind of make it better, but the bones of it are there and uh, we're going to build on it now. And I do want to give Jake a little credit because he did come up with the name for the site. I actually, to my credit, I proposed zero site names. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept asking people, hey, you know, suggest something. And uh, yeah, Jake just came up with Crash the Pond. I think it, it fits. Yeah. It fits our vibe. It was as I was leaving Honda Center, randomly came to me leaving the pond. Uh, even I though like I don't call it that really anymore, but it just came into my head, Crash the Pond. I like that it's a it's a play on a hockey term, crash the net, and it, it ties in the ducks as well. So well done, Jake. 
the the accidental genius. Yeah, there you go. Hey, that's probably the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Damning with great praise. Um, okay, let's let's move this show forward here. That's enough. That's enough of that. Again, if you've got more questions, we are live right now on Twitch. This is our first broadcast with the Crash the Pond logo and everything. So if you've got more questions, hit us up there or just, like I said, tweet at us. But we've got a few topics to get into. I've got a topic that I'm just chomping at the bit to discuss, and I've been actually working on it um, before we, we were recording. I'm not going to pretend I spent all day on this because I, I do have to, to pay the bills working my day job, but I did spend some time on this. So we got a, we got an interesting question from at Blaze Mountain on Twitter, aka DeQuackle, who asking, I, I do want to give a big shout out to. Yeah. Uh, he's been helping us out a bunch with the website, seeing as both of us yeah. are kind of novices when it comes to building a website. And so I do want to give a huge shout out to him for helping us out with kind of everything on the website side. Yeah, no, he's been tremendous. Jake and him have, have been going back and forth while I just occasionally chime in, occasionally being very little. <laughs> Meaning, uh, I don't know if ever. <laughs> all right all right we, we've established we've established the dynamic here but he did ask an interesting question what would be the team's dream starting lineup for 21 2021 2022 season so not next season but two years down the line so there's two things i want to establish right off the top actually there's three so the first is that i couldn't really do dream starting lineup because that would involve other moves happening and it's a little too far into the future to project moves um the second is that this will be after two critical things this will be after the next expansion draft hopefully um the next expansion draft for the new seattle team and ryan Getzlaff will no longer be on his current contract so those are things to note um and the third thing so i have the line set up i came up with their lineup and I'm basically just going to read off my lines, and Jake is going to react to them. So, Jake, are you are you prepared? I'm ready. I, I'm you, not. I'm not paying attention to the chat right now. I, I'm done with the thinking, chat. Do you have your thinking cap on? I am. I am. You've got a violent gentleman cap. I've got so. my orange Cassidy shirt on, which means I'm ready to kind of sit that, here and that, say that's nothing. That's definitely not a thinking shirt. But anyway, um, and he also followed up to clarify who was on the unquestioned number one first line. So. Here we go. I have my lines here. First line. Actually, let, let, let's go fourth line and up. Let's just build a little suspense. Actually, it would probably make more sense to start with the first line. So I'm, I'm going to go that way. First line. I still have Ricard Raquel as this team's first line left winger in two years. Fair? You have him on the left side, not right side? Yeah, I do. Okay. I do. Um, I, think, I think he's still on this team in two years yeah, so i'm not sure if there's any better option on the left hand side kind of off the top of my head i still think that given given who we figure is going to be on the roster at that point he is still going to be the the best option so the only thing that could throw a loop in that is if somehow the ducks get the first overall pick <laughs> yes that and you're talking about this draft i i suppose yes okay yeah, that would, uh, Alexi Lafreniere would, would change a lot for this team. But so at that point, Ricardo Kell will be in a contract year. So we'll see if the Ducks are good or, you know, a, a playoff team in that season. Maybe they don't flip him at that deadline. We'll see. So I've got Ricardo Kell, my first line center. Now, this is definitely speculative, but I'm willing to go this far. Trevor Zegras, first line center. He's the first Ducks prospect that I've seen in the last few years that looks like a true bonafide blue chip prospect that has been productive where he's played that has stood out at against his peers in major competitions. I feel he's a very safe bet to be this team's first line center in two years. Now he's, he is worthy of that title. I also think that there's not a lot of competition either. Yeah. I, I think that that's without a doubt the right, right choice there for the first line in a couple of years. So I've got Raquel and Zegras. And on my and on my first line right wing, Jake, you're gonna love this. I have Troy Terry. Correct again, choice. Again, I do think that with Troy Terry, it's a bit like with Zegras, except you know he's obviously not a, the blue chip that Zegras is, but I think that he's probably gonna be the best young and in his prime option at that point. He's already shown some growth this season, and I think that by then 
Um, he's going to be a, a much more useful weapon for, for the Ducks team. I and mean, he's already shown that he's a good five-on-five player. And I think that his offensive toolkit is going to be a little more expanded by that time. He's, he's only 22 years old, so by then he'll be right there in his mid-prime. So I think he'll be at least uh, a, a good enough first-line right-winger. Yeah, okay. that is the correct choice. So Raquel Zegris Terry is my first line. Second line, again, going a little speculative here, I've got Max Contois as my first-line left-winger. So this was a bit of a tough one because the Ducks actually do have a lot of competition on the left side. Um, but I think that with Contois, the way that he's been, you know, standing out in San Diego this year, the way that I, I do think that he does project as a top six guy, I, I could see him making that leap in a couple of years. Because by then, he'll be at least 23. Yeah. And I think that it's it's reasonable to think he could be a second line guy. Well, by, then. by that point in time, I mean, he's a guy with a draft profile who's, I mean, it's he's a pretty second high. Pick. It's a, well, and the, not only that, but he's a guy that really impressed after being drafted. And people thought maybe he should have been a first rounder after that. So you would think that by the time he's 23, he should be a, on the second line for a team. Um, yeah. 23 yeah. is right when you enter your prime production years. That's kind of when he needs to be start getting uh, to that point and being put in those positions. So even if he hadn't really produced that level in prior seasons, I think that's the right call in terms of moving forward for the Ducks if he was on that line. And for our listeners who are very savvy with the salary cap, and that's all of our listeners, I'm sure, but you know, for everyone who's thinking, okay, how's this going to work salary-wise? I didn't do that math so much because so much can change by then, but a lot of these guys are going to be off of their entry-level deals by then but there will also be other deals coming off the book. So I'm, I kind of crunched all of that and I feel comfortable with this. Um, and also Max Contois coming back to him for a second. I just think that he, of all the guys who could fill this role, I think he has the most just natural scoring touch. I know that's not necessarily analytical, but you just kind of see it when you, when you watch him. Play. Yeah. Um, second line center. I think this isn't going to shock anyone. Sam Steele. Yeah. Uh, I think that he's been, Okay, as a third-line center this season, um, he is only 22 right now. I do think that if you give him a couple of years of development, I think he can be an adequate second-line center. I think that that's what he probably projects as on on the upper end of outcomes as an NHL player, as a second-line center. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where we, for the past almost year or two, we've kind of said Sam Steele more than likely is going to be a second-line center. And so this is where he should be in a couple of years. On the right side, you might hate this, but I'm willing to live with it. Jakob Silverberg, he's still got five seasons left on his deal. And I think that the Ducks are not going to want to lose him in the expansion draft. And I think by that point, he's going to be 31, 32. I don't know if he'll still, I don't know how effective he'll be at that point, but he's still been very effective in his age 29 season. So I think he can still be, again, adequate in the, at that point. And also, I think that some of his uh, age-related decline might be a little upset by Contouan Steele being in their primes at that point. Yep, I don't necessarily disagree with that. The only, I mean, I don't know at, if that's the ideal option. At the end of this, I'll add, at the mm-hmm. end of all this, when we get through everything, I'll add my opinion because there, there's something I have a thought on in terms of that right wing or kind of these wings as we move forward. Yeah. Okay, third line. Honestly, after the first two lines, it got pretty difficult for me. Maybe I, I was just overlooking options. I should mention that I tried to account for who I think is likeliest to get claimed by Seattle. And so I baked that into my forwards and my defense. So at forward, I think Danton Heinen seems like the guy who would go. Um, I think he he hasn't really shown enough in his brief stint and I, I don't know if he projects as a guy who the ducks are going to want to protect at all costs um when the time comes and he's going to be eligible well maybe he's a guy that the ducks leave exposed on purpose yes potentially so i don't know and at that point he'll be 26 27 and so that could he hypothetically could actually be a pretty good pickup for seattle but one that the ducks would be willing to to let go of yep so anyway on the third line, I have Sonny Milano on the left wing. So I still have him on the Ducks by this time. Uh, he's going to be an RFA in the uh, upcoming offseason, whenever that will be. And on third line center, I have Ryan Getzlaff. I think that he's still going to be on this team. 
I think he's going to be, I mean, at that point, he'll be 36 at least. I, I just don't know if, if he's going to be even capable of being a second line center at that point. But I still think I could see him becoming like a Joe Thornton type. Yep. Who, who can be effective in a lower role, can help drive possession um, and play next to Milano. We've already seen that that duo work in very brief stints. And I think that for a third line, you could do worse. Yep, I completely agree with that. I think that Getzloff, by that point in time, that's going to be his best role either there. And this is not a slight on him, but at 36, maybe even in a fourth line role, kind of leaving out the idea or the the concepts of fourth line and different Mm -hmm. things like that, just having him kind of in the lowest time on ice role due to his age. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the natural way things go. And so I could see him in the third or fourth line role if he's on the Ducks by that point. I think he probably will be. I think he... I think he'll probably have one more year after this contract's up. Right, right. Yeah, so that's uh, that's what I see there. Um, and then as far as on the right wing, and also one thing I did want to mention with Ryan Getzlaff is that he, so if you look at his injury history the last few years, it is somewhat concerning that he hasn't played even close to, well, he, he played 67 games in 1819, played 56 games the year before, and then played 74 in 16-17. But this season, he was a lot more healthy than we had seen him in previous seasons. Mm-hmm. He's he, had, he was already up to 69 games. So, I mean, if you look at his injuries, I could be forgetting some, but I feel like they weren't these major, you know, surgery-type yeah. injuries. I'm trying to remember, you know what I mean, honestly. I know he got hit in the jaw at one point yeah. by a puck in practice. That's <laughs> so, right, that's right. Yeah, so I I, I, I think I, I see him aging decently. Yeah. Uh, again, I could be totally wrong well, about that, but yeah. He, he's a guy that also has great vision, and as we've seen with Joe Thornton, those guys tend to be able to age a yeah. fair bit better than other guys because they're they're not necessarily relying upon their speed. They're not necessarily relying upon playing physical. The, the vision isn't something that necessarily goes completely. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's something that you're able to kind of hold on to, and if he can keep making plays, keep finding guys with passes – then he's going to be able to have a place on this roster and a place in the league uh, into his late 30s. Right. Right. Uh, okay. So right wing, this was tough because the Ducks right now do not have a lot of options on the right side. Uh, David Backus can play the right wing, but I don't think he'll be on the Ducks by then unless they somehow re-sign him, which seems unlikely. I just went on a limb and I put Kiefer Sherwood here. Here's here's my rationale. I know you're not the biggest Kiefer Sherwood believer. Yeah. And I think there's there's a reason to be skeptical, but I think he can fill that role maybe as a stopgap type guy. And I think he's shown enough in, in bits and pieces to at least be a serviceable third-line player. And, and, you know, by that point, so right now, he's 25. So by then, he'll be right in his absolute prime, maybe just from a production standpoint. But I think he could be just adequate enough to be the third line right winger for the team. So this was a bit of a tougher pick just because the ducks don't really have a right winger in the pipeline that could, that I could see making the jump in just two years. So this, I landed on Sherwood. If we were in an alternate universe, I would have gone with uh, Daniel Sprong, (laughs) but he's no longer, he's no longer with us. I think that this is kind of what I was going to say for the second line, but I think the option I would probably put here is, one of the guys they potentially draft this year they're they're gonna yeah well that well that's that's the thing yeah like they're gonna get i I don't think that that i know that this isn't necessarily supposed to be in a dream world but no but you can but i mean you can dream i i was the one coming up with this so i tried to kind of keep it a little more airtight well but the ducks are probably gonna have a top five pick more than likely this year which means they're Mm -hmm. gonna get a difference maker potentially down the middle or on the wing and even if they get a guy that's potentially supposed to play center that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be on the wing or going to be at center. He right. could play the wing. And so I think that maybe that's a spot where we'd see them. I mean, with a top five pick, you'd expect that that player would be on the ducks and by that season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. That is absolutely fair. And as my ex, Oh, sorry. I didn't finish the fourth line. I almost was going to skip over to the 13th forward on my right wing for fourth line. Oh, wait, sorry. Did I just skip over the, the, Okay, we finished up the third line. Yes, Sorry. yes, we did. Scatterbrain. Hey, we haven't podcasted in a while, so yeah. you know, gotta gotta grease the wheels a little bit here. Okay, moving on to the fourth line, left wing. I've got Max Jones. I think he's still on this team by then. I think that that's 
a good role for him. I honestly think that Contois, Milano, Jones are all kind of interchangeable on that left side. And so this fourth line doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be playing 10 minutes a night. That's just where I have him. But I have him in this lineup to start the season. Mm-hmm. Fair? Yeah. I and, and I think that that's what he projects as, is more of a depth guy. I don't know if I see him developing into a scorer like I see that with Contois. Yeah. I, I think that that's fair. I think he's more of a bottom six type guy. He generates, But I think he could be a good one. Well, yeah, because he generates shots at a really high rate. And so he can be very successful in a lower role where there's not as much pressure to, to put the puck in the net. But if he's able to generate chances, generate shots, keep the puck in the other team's zone, that's going to be successful for the team in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. And for my fourth line center, this one was a little tough just because the Ducks do have some up and coming pieces that all could theoretically have a chance at this spot. I ultimately landed on Isaac Lundestrom. In this hypothetical lineup, this is to start the season. So some guys are getting looks that maybe, you know, they wouldn't get otherwise later on in the season. But I think at that point, you know, Isaac Lundestrom is 20. So by that point, he'll be 22, 23. And I could see him at least at least being an NHLer at that point. Maybe he's the third line center and Getzlaff is the fourth line center. But I do see him being on the team because at that point, if he's 22, 23, still in the AHL, that's kind of concerning as a first round pick. And it's either that or he's on, if he's not on the Ducks, it's either he's in the AHL or he's just on another team entirely by that point. Mm. That's my theory on him at least. Yep. Or he's get or he gets picked up by Seattle. I don't know if he'd be eligible. I think he would be. Um, but yeah, so Isaac Lindstrom off script for my right wing fourth line. Yeah. So this is one where I had to dig a little deep to figure it out. And ultimately, this might not thrill some Ducks fans. I have the Ducks re-signing Carter Rowney on a one-year deal <laughs> for the 2021-2022 season. Are you sure that you have them signing him? Or do you think that it was just a cop-out on your side to get a fourth line right wing? I just I don't know who else would fill that spot. Maybe well, okay. There there is still Braden mm-hmm. Tracy within the system who granted is a mm-hmm. left winger, so maybe that kind of takes him out from the this Ducks. Just hate right shot players, I think. Which you know, is it's funny because the Ducks the Ducks used to have a ton of yeah. right shot players. I mean, they had an entire line of them with Getzloff, uh, Perry, and uh, Bobby Ryan. That entire line yeah. was right handed shot. I think at one point a couple of years ago in the 16-17 season, the Ducks had a power play that was all right shooting players. Yeah. Um, But yeah, anyway. So I have Carter Rowney there, a bit off script. And for my extra forward, I think that this would be the start of the season. I could see Braden Tracy kind of getting a shot at the lineup. So I have him in there. So Uh, Because by that point, he'll be 20-21. So I I think he's probably going to start getting a sniff at the NHL level at that point. All right, give me your 13th forward, and then I want to add a comment. Oh, that was it. That was Tracy. Oh, sorry. Um, Yeah. So, notably absent from this lineup, Adam Henrique. Ah, you picked it up. So, Heinen and Henrique, the H's, they're the guys I could see either getting picked up or getting traded. I feel like those are the guys who are probably going to be gone by then. I just think that with Adam Henrique, I just don't know where he fits on this team when all of these younger players come up, especially Lundestrom. Like I said, they're going to have to make a decision on him eventually. Zgras has to be in the NHL in a couple of years. Sam Steele is going to be better by then. Getzlaff, I don't see him retiring, and I don't see him playing for another organization. So maybe Adam Henrique is on this team. They 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 have used him as a winger, but then you run into the issue of they have a ton of of ton of wingers, especially well, on the left side. Maybe so. he goes to the right side and plays on that third line. Maybe that's where he ends up. But I mean, there, <sighs> that that's that that maybe is the spot. Maybe that's what I'm overlooking here. Yeah. Yep. All right. So Adam Henrique is my omission. I I just I feel like he's gone by then, and it's not because. I don't think he's any good or anything like that. I just think it's a bit of a numbers game. Um, okay, moving on to the blue line. You got any th- other comments on forwards? Um, really, the only comment that I had, I kind of already said, which is that the Ducks are going to have a top five pick that more likely than not yeah. will be either a winger or a center. So I think by this point in time, that player will St- be on Stutzel. this roster. Whether it's Stutzel, whether it's Holt. Take a look at the article and uh, coming out later today. I mean, if you're listening to this, it's probably already actually on the website. Um, and we can, uh, or you can take a look and see who's available. And so one of those guys probably will be on the ducks by this point in time. 
Yeah. So that, that is the, that is the kind of unknown here that, that we have to account for. Okay. Moving on to the blue line. This is going to be a little less exciting than, uh, than the forwards, but first pairing, I've still got Lindholm Manson. If the ducks weren't to trade Manson this year, and if they don't at the upcoming draft, I just, I think he's gone. When will they ever? I think he's gone at the draft. Maybe. Well, I mean, maybe if, if the draft happens. Well, yeah, um, I've I've got him on this team because I think the way the Ducks view him is they have no replacement and they love how he plays and they think he's a leader on this team. And so I think that they hold on to him against maybe uh, better judgment. Lindholm will still be on this team. Uh, he will be in the final year of his contract. He will be approaching his age 30 season. So that's going to be interesting to see what he looks like by then. My second pairing, again, bear in mind, the options are get a little weird without any right shot defenseman. I've got Cam Fowler still holding it down. He's got on that. He's got that lengthy contract, so he's not going anywhere. And I've got Josh Mahara with him on the second pairing. I think that Mahara already showed quite a bit to me in the brief stint that he played with the Ducks this year. I don't really see that changing. I see him only getting better. Um, I mean. By then, he's going to be square into his prime. He's going to be a roughly 24. So, yeah, he's going to be good for them. Third pairing. This is a mishmash, a mashup of Swedish defensemen. I have Jacob Larson still on this team by then. Wow. That could be, that wow. could be absolutely foolish. That could be just you. absolute folly. You are saying this? Well, think about it. He's an RFA after the season. Wait, so and, new podcast, new opinions on Jacob Larson? Well, let me <laughs> clarify. This is not because I think Jacob Larson should be on this team. It's because I just think he's an RFA. He's probably going to get a two to three year deal. Maybe three might be pushing it. But I think that they're just going to keep him around because he's going to be a cheap third pairing guy who's homegrown. Dallas Aikens likes him. I'm just kind of throwing my hands up at this one. Bear in mind, this is not my ideal scenario. I'm just saying that's what I see happening. You you don't uh, you don't see there being a different guy on the left side taking a spot. Well, so I'm getting to that. Okay. On the right side for the third pairing, out of absolute, out of absolute left field, I have Joel Pearson as the right shot D on the third <laughs> pairing. Now, hear me out on this. The Ducks traded for him just out of the absolute blue at the trade deadline from the Edmonton Oilers for a couple picks, I believe. And it made absolutely no sense why they went out and got him, but he is a right shot D he is Swedish. Just putting that out there because that seems to be a thing that the ducks covet, especially on the blue line. And he did play a bit in the NHL this season after coming over from Sweden. I think he's going to be an NHL player at some point. And I think that that's probably what the ducks have in mind for him. So I, I have him in this rotation. And then as my seventh D, although he shouldn't be the seventh D, I have Christian Juice. He's still going to be on this team. He should probably be in that spot ahead of Larson, but I think that they're probably going to be rotating. But yeah, Christian Juice is in there for me. So so thoughts on my blue line, on my Franken blue line. No Brendan Gooley, although you've made it clear that you think they probably are going to move on for Brendan Gooley at some point in time. Prior so to this. yes, Gooley is essentially my Danton Heinen of the blue line. He's the guy who I could see them finding a way to move on from in the expansion draft situation or just in the future. Ax no Axel Anderson. <laughs> is that <laughs> is that just is that just opening the wound back up for a you? A little bit. A little, the Andre a little bit. I saw that name and I just had to throw it out there. Um no Henry Thrun. I think he's in the AHL at this point or still in college. Yeah, I think he's probably still in college by that point in time. But Want to throw yeah. his name in there? Yeah. So I, th I think it's a decent group, especially if Juice is getting more minutes than Larson. <laughs> There's your Larson swipe. Yeah, I, I, Me I, meeting, meeting my quota. I think the issue with, I mean, here's my issue with kind of doing this right now. Out. Well, it, uh, <laughs> it is the issue with this is I think the Ducks are going to make a fair amount of moves, which com could completely reshape. Oh, yeah. the roster, and so. Oh, yeah. We're working under the assumption that guys are getting moved, but not even thinking about what they're going to get back in return. And so oh, yeah. while yes, these are the line space upon the players. Now 
this most likely probably is not going to be in the, be the lineup then it might more than likely than not it's not even going to be close my thing is the yeah. only person that's probably a safe bet to be on this roster out of everyone we said is trevor's egress troy terry troy terry also yes definitely i i I think my forwards are going to hold up pretty well. You don't think that? So- I think that someone's going to come in from the draft. I think someone. Well, may, okay, sure. Someone may get moved and get a forward back that will fill in a spot. And so I, I think there's potential for things to change. Um, I, I think for the most part. Well, the- yes. I mean, there's not just potential. It will certainly yeah. change. There, there's no doubt. Yeah. And I think the blue line, the blue line's the bigger piece where I think that that entire blue line needs to get reworked. I mean, before the show, as you were putting this lineup together. You were even like, why do the Ducks have no right-hand shot defensemen? Yeah. So Yeah, I mean, that's a question that has persisted for going on two years now. So, yeah. Well, okay, so for personally, if I were to bet on it, I think that my forwards are going to hold up pretty well. I think I'm going to be batting over 50% on that, which maybe that's a low bar. I don't know. I Not could passing. see my... What? Not passing. Okay, I think I get a, I get a passing grade. So you, I'll get you a need passing to get grade. 60% to be passing grade. Yeah, D's get degrees, baby. Um, yeah, so that that will be my rate. And then for the blue line, I could see it just absolutely blowing up. I have no idea what's going to happen with that blue line. There's too many moving pieces. There's too many guys that are kind of redundant. Um, so yeah, I'm fully expecting to for that one to blow up. Now in net... Drum roll, please. Are you gonna Are you gonna go out on a limb here? Are you gonna make a bold claim? Are you gonna do it am right I get now? A tra- am I gonna trade John Gibson? Yeah. <laughs> no, I have John Gibson in net, still on a great contract. That contract is not going away anytime soon. Um, he's he's signed for another seven seasons or six seasons after this one, um, so he's sticking around. And then in my backup role, I have Lucas Dostal. Feeling pretty good about that one. Feeling really good about yep. that one. Um, I think he's going to be good enough. I think that I'm even willing to go on a limb and say he could actually take up some more games from John Gibson to kind of give him a bit of, the, of a rest. The Ducks could have a bit of a two-headed monster there. Yeah. I think the Ducks are going to be really good in net at that point. Here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Does Dostal eventually push the Ducks to move Gibson? I'm not willing to go that far yet yeah. on a 19-year-old. No, I know. <laughs> That's why it's a bold question that I figured I would ask. I, I don't think so, personally, yeah. because goalies don't really age like skaters do. Agreed. Some goalies get better as they go on. You know, Some of them are able to hold on to some of those prime seasons or at least have a dominant season into their 30s. We've, we've seen it. And so I think Gibson... You know, the injury history gives you a little pause to to speculate on whether or not he can do that, but I, I think he's going to find a way. I, I think that he's going to either rework his game or develop. I mean, the thing is, it's not... I think for goalies, they evolve more than they decline as players, right? They find new ways to train, new ways to play that save their bodies. Like, for example, Roberto Luongo, there was a lot of talk at the end of his career about how he became a more conservative goalie, staying deeper in his net to shorten his his push-offs right just to make just to just to reduce the wear and tear on his body and i could see gibson absolutely doing that i think he will do that yeah so you factor that in dostal is kind of the young spry guy and i think they're gonna have a really good goaltending tandem let me ask you this yeah hit me with it let's let's uh let's assume that okay there's a there's a margin for error here so the kind of set in stone pieces that i have with some margin for error is this a playoff team in 2021-22? Is this good enough to be a playoff team? You don't have to say whether they make it, but are they good enough to be a playoff team? Yeah. Interesting. I I have my I have my concerns. I don't want to say doubts. Oh, I have my concerns. Agreed. I just think that blue line could be really bad. That that's my biggest issue with it. I think my thought is, well, yeah. I think that's the concern is that the blue line by that point in time is going to be all uh, right around their thirties. And that's going to be the biggest concern there. Um, but I think that the forward group is pretty solid. It's going to be good. It's going to be, I think they're going to have, they could be, I could see them being a a kind of high scoring. They could be a fun team team. Yeah. They could be not as high scoring as the Maple Leafs, but in that same vein. Yeah. They, they could be an offensively oriented team that plays an up-tempo style. Yeah. 
a lot like the team we thought they would be this year, um, except with the personnel to actually do yeah. it. Um, but yeah, the, the big concern for me is just what that blue line will look like because I think between Lindholm, Manson, and Fowler, assuming that they're all on the team, which is probably unlikely, there's a lot of room for drop-off there. Yep. So it would be on Mahara, Juice, and the Larson and Parison to, to pick up the slack or whoever makes it. Yep. But that could be counteracted by Gibson and Dostal. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that was a fun little exercise. Yes. I'm glad we did that. Yes. That, 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 got, that got the wheels turning. It feels good to think about hockey and salary caps and, and roster construction. And get your brain off of uh, coronavirus. Yes, yes, it, it, it feels good. All right, so moving on. Now here comes the fun stuff that I had planned for this show. No, it's not wrestling. Sorry, people out Wow, there. what are you saying? That, that wasn't fun? <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying at all. No, so... <laughs> Um, one of the big things going on right now is people are trying to speculate on kind of how the playoffs are going to be when they come back. Cause so the, this, this year's, this NHL year's playoffs. NHL playoffs, no one really kind of knows when the NHL is going to be back. The NHL doesn't even know when it's going to be back. No I one, mean, kno- no one knows. No one knows when society is going to be back to normal. Yeah. So, and there was, and, and these two things are intertwined. There was even an article, I believe on the NHL's website today with a medical professional basically saying, uh, it may be a while before they come back. But I, I think a really interesting thing is the format uh, of when they do come back. How are they going to do it? Because the the simple thing to do is just cut off the playoffs, have the same format, do it by points percentage. You you don't play the regu- rest of the regular season. I, I think the idea, I mentioned, I think, on the last show that they were probably going to try to get in the regular season, but more likely than not, it's not going to happen. I now don't think it makes any sense to play the rest of the regular season. Um, it, it, it's not going to be possible it, because I, I I think that they don't want to cut into the next season. Yeah, and it doesn't make sense to cut into the next season. And so I, I think going straight into the playoffs makes sense. And the other hard thing is if you do play the regular season games, and we'll get into this a little bit more later, but how do you get fans in the building if it's a team that if for – well, let's work under the assumption that they're going to bring fans back into the building, which – also may not have uh may not be possible by that point in time when they're able to play um but assuming they can get fans in the building how do you get fans in the building for a bad team after all of this to spend all someone's hard-earned money after a situation like's going on right now how does someone in Detroit spend their money to go to a Red Wings game um when yeah. there's nothing going on they're they're just playing out the string they're already eliminated from the playoffs they're not even in it so I, I think if you do come back you got to go straight into the playoffs. Um, you do it by points percentage, make it nice, clean, and easy. Um, but I do think that you do need to make some changes to the playoffs. I think you need to add two teams because the issue with doing pure points percentage is if you look at the current... You're, you're thinking add two teams to correct for the wild card uncertainty? Yes. I think you add two mm. teams to each conference to make up for the wild card uncertainty because the issue that yeah. you have right now is, for instance, in the West... Uh, if you were to go by points percentage, Nashville's in, Vancouver's in the playoffs with a 565 points percentage. Nashville as the in the Pacific, that is. In the wild card, the first wild card is Nashville with 565, Calgary at 564. Then the first team out is Winnipeg at 563. And then Minnesota's a little bit further back at 558. And so the issue that you have is, um, let me double check really quickly, but I believe that um, the teams that are, currently in the playoffs by points percentage played less games so the teams that were in are nashville and uh winnipeg is the first team out right and so winnipeg if you were to go by points would be in because they have played 71 games nashville has less points but they've done that in two less points but they've done that in 69 games so the issue that you have is if yeah. you're Winnipeg, I, I would just have it as wild card games as opposed to like an additional series. Yes, yes, and mm-hmm. so I think that's how you do it. Is you do single game plans. You have four different wild cards. You have those teams play in to get the two wild card spots in each conference, and I think that makes it nice, clean, and easy. Now, having said that, what do you think about the actual format? Do you think that they'll do best of five, best of three, best of seven? How do you think they should go about? What is if Felix Felix Sicard was commissioner of the NHL? God, w- what uh, would you man. do with these playoffs? Because I have an idea that I actually want to throw out there 
you cannot steal at this point, seeing as we've talked about it already. I would try to uphold what actually happened in these 70-ish games as much as possible. So I wouldn't just, you know, some people have suggested a potential reseed or kind of moving things around. I want to uphold that as much as possible. And I also want to make it so that we can kind of get on with the show as much as we can. So we can really transition into next season, get to the draft. To me, that's almost the most important thing outside of awarding the Stanley Cup for the 2019-20 season. So I would go with less games in the series, um, play in games for the wild cards. And I mean, that's it. I don't really have this kind of convoluted idea. I just think the more simple, the better, and the shorter, the better, but still enough games to for it to be a legitimate playoff and not like best of three series or something like that. Okay. I would like to, I think that best of three is the way to go, but I, th- it's just that my problem with that is it's just too random. Well, I think that it's too I random think for the early rounds, at least. Although to be fair, it's random. Best already. Of well, well, yeah, that's what I was going to say is I don't think that that randomness washes out with an additional four games in a seven game series. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, I, to me, best of five and is a middle. You would keep that, the same format that they have right now to kind of keep some consistency. Yeah, because if you just if you change everything, I feel like it's just too much of an asterisk in the That's record fair. books. That's fair. It's it, it's just, I mean, they may reach a point where they have to just to- go totally off script because again, the, what clouds over all of this is that we have no idea when this is going to be. Me, my own opinion, I think it's going to be in late summer or fall and the season is going to start back up for next year for the next season in December or January. That's my prediction. And so this isn't happening in a couple months. No. This is happening late summer. Yeah. At best. Especially if they want fans in the building. And that's the other thing is that there's the government aspect of this. Of course, with the way things are going with the government, maybe they are going to allow that to happen. But even if the government says, Hey, people can go to games, people, you know, social distancing is off by then. Um, how many people are actually going to want to do that? <laughs> you know, there's probably going to be a segment of people that are going to still stay away and on top of that, the economy is crashing. So there's a lot at play there. And so to me, the longer they can wait to kind of get this started back up under the most normal circumstances possible is preferable. I'm willing to wait longer than to just rush back in, have yeah. this kind of half-assed situation, and it really not be ideal for anyone, yeah. especially for the players because you don't want them to get sick. Yeah, exactly. So my proposal I think that the best solution, like you said, to kind of get on with it, move on. I think you play empty arena games. I know it's going to be tough for owners and players because you're going to lose all that revenue. But I think that the way that you do it with the least kind of impact in terms of losing uh, losing revenue and things like that is the way that you do it is you put it all at a neutral site. Eliminate fans. If there's no fans, there's no home ice advantage. Have all the players fly to one location. Then you're not having them travel um, consistently going across the country, having the wear and tear of that different type of stuff. And you're simply having every single team that's made the playoffs stay. Like, for instance, let's do it in Toronto. Or you do it in Detroit because Detroit's not making it. You play them all at the brand new Little Caesars Arena, have it be empty. And I think you you do need to keep – I think you do the wild cards. You add two wild cards uh, to make it a bit more fair, have those teams play a single game. And then I think you have it be the same – teams that would make it um i do think so i think that you're probably right that you should keep the playoff format the same maybe you eliminate some games uh for that purpose to shorten it up it is kind of extenuating circumstances but i think that that would be the most fair option i and also what's probably going to need to happen if they want fans at that point for a neutral site tournament aka the playoffs is that there's going to be some quarantining that's required for people to be in that large of a group. People are probably going to have to be quarantined before the players are going to have to be quarantined before. So (laughs) there is a, just being the NHL, being anyone running a pro sports league right now, it sounds pretty stressful. But I think that what I think would be more, there's two options I think would be fun. One of them is just simply going one through 16. All the teams Mm -hmm. make, or the teams that make it are based upon conference, things like that. So you, the regular season still mattered. And then you just reseed one through 16 just have it almost be like March Madness. 
Yeah, have it, I I really I really hope they don't do something like that. Have it be because have it be like March Madness. Have three games in a day at the same arena. Uh, do a, I mean that that part would be fun. Yeah, exactly. That part would be fun. The ice would be terrible, but the ice is already ter- terrible in the playoffs anyway. Um, yeah, my only thing is I I just don't want to see these drastic changes in the format because of just the consistency factor. If we're gonna change the playoff format, I would prefer it be done before a season started because and this is something we're going to get to with the draft lottery so i'll I'll save it but i i would just rather see see that be done before the season okay that kind of change all right so now that we've kind of run through different playoff formats i mean i think the most likely option is what we almost talked what you mentioned as being you add the two wild cards and you keep the same format because realistically, that's all you really need to account for. There's not this huge playoff race in either conference. If, I mean, if, if you look at the East right now, as things stand, or I guess stood at this point, you can probably use the past tense. Realistically, there's about three teams on the outside that could potentially make it. Um, and it's the same thing with the with the West, pretty much. So, And actually, the West, that number's probably down to two. So... Some type of play-in game is fine, and you could probably pick. You could probably pick up those teams and just have them play out some kind of little bracket. Yep. Um, all right. And so the big news from today, actually, um, there were two kind of things. The first thing was um, basically uh, the NHL announced that the awards and the draft and the draft lottery are all getting pushed. They're not going to be on the dates that were planned. And so those are not going to be happening now on those same dates. They'll be moved. But the interesting thing actually came in a Craig Custance article where he actually mentioned that, so majority of the teams are on board with just doing points percentage. You, if you add more teams into the playoffs, you essentially just adjust the odds accordingly. So Detroit would get, every team would get better odds to win the draft lottery, essentially. Um, If you were to do say a 24 team playoff format, like uh, what's been thrown out there by some teams, but the interesting thing, and I have some thoughts on it, and I want to get your thoughts on it, is um, Custom said, according to an NHL source, at least one team has submitted a lottery proposal that would include a tournament in which lottery teams play for the first overall pick. Um, oh, lottery teams. Okay. Yeah, lottery teams. So this isn't everybody. No, it's not everyone. Just lottery okay. teams play for the first overall pick. And I would assume the thought process there, and it makes sense from – NHL an NHL team to want this outside of just wanting their team to be able to try to win the pick, but it gets fans in the building because if you're so, if you're a fan of a team not in the not in the playoffs, this is its own mini playoffs. So by lottery team, are we considering this one of the fourteen teams that wouldn't make the playoffs, or like a legitimately bad? It depends. Right so it depends on how they do the playoffs, but it would be a team I, not. Well, I'm just curious which was the team because. A team like, let's say, uh, Florida or Montreal or even maybe a Buffalo or Arizona would probably advocate for a tournament like this more than maybe Ottawa or Detroit or San Jose, who was just at, who were absolutely dreadful in the regular season. Well, San Jose um, doesn't even own their own pick, which is also a whole nother yeah. concern. Yeah, well, that's another problem. Yeah, that, that's another issue. So, but And, and the other mm-hmm. issue... So, let me add this. So this is from the article. Without knowing the exact details of the proposal, there would have to be some assurances for teams at the bottom of the standings that their odds of winning a lottery tournament resemble the odds of winning the lottery drawing now. That would mean home games for Ottawa and Detroit with a fairly easy path to the championship. And likewise, a bubble team to uh, have to go on an all-time run to win the lottery. So, I mean, give me your thoughts on this. I have a fair amount of thoughts on it, but I want to hear what you think first. I am fine. I am more than okay with that concept in theory, but I would not be a fan of it for this current season because the problem with that is teams strategically fundamentally make their decisions that are outside of the playoff picture to increase their draft odds. They don't admit that they might not even say it out loud, but teams that are rebuilding or transitioning, whatever term you want to use they're taking that path because they know that there is a potential reward that they, it will improve their draft position. So to completely throw that out and make this into a tournament format in the same season, although it would be entertaining as hell, I just don't think that that is really fair to those teams who have made those decisions. You could argue that bad teams don't really deserve any favors, but I, 
I do think that you can't just totally change the system in the same year. If you if you made this how we decide the draft order a year from now, I'd be fine with that because I think again it'd be super entertaining. But I think for this coming up upcoming draft, you can't do this. It, it's just it's too much of a jump for how teams have strategically planned to get to this point. Yeah, I so I'm actually not a fan of this idea. Actually, outside of this year. I, I think it's obviously interesting, but I think that there's... It would be it would be fun. I, it's definitely fun. I think there are flaws with it, which is Detroit is not a good team. They're not a good team at all. Anything can happen in a tournament. But my point is, how do you give them an easy path? No matter what, they're going to have to play another team. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Ultimately, it's still a little weird. Yeah. Um, although you could argue that having a tournament like that would still... It would act as another way to de-incentivize being bad for yeah. the sake of improving well, your draft position. Here's the other issue with it, and this is kind of the big, big thing, and this is the bucket of cold water over this idea. Why would players try in this tournament? Well, I mean, I'm sure that the the, the teams could. I mean, this could create new incentives in their contracts. Maybe because obviously, if the team is good, just like they do for playoffs. Um, well, I don't know if there's incentives built in for playoff performance, but essentially it would really benefit teams to do well in this tournament, right? Yeah. And so you I mean play that would affect a player's contract whether directly or indirectly. So players always have a reason to try, right? I mean, you you hear play, players say this in interviews, but if you're not trying for your own team, you're trying for the scouts, you're trying for whoever's evaluating you. So I don't really buy that they wouldn't try. Well, um, I mean, it's not playing for the Stanley Cup, that's for sure. Here, but they are still playing for, they are still helping their club's future. Although it would be a little strange playing for your team to go get someone who might. Replace that is you. exactly the issue. That is one hundred percent the issue. Is you are, you are trying to play for your team to potentially go get a replacement for you. Yeah, but how many of those guys are actually going to be on the team during the life of that specific player's contract? I mean, a fair right. amount. If it, if you end up winning the entire thing and you get a lottery, pl- the first overall pick. Yeah, but but at most that's one guy. Yeah, but that's still one that that still could be anyone on that team gets traded because you now have this first line player ready made to come into the roster. Honestly, I just don't care about that stuff as much as I care about the fact that this removes the incentive for being bad in the regular ah, season. See, I don't mind that personally, but I because because I mean it would. If if you have this tournament, everyone has to be kind of good to to well, you know to to thrive in the NHL. You can't just choose to be bad for a couple of years and then come back a couple of years after. I think the best option that I've ever seen for potential draft pick um, in terms mm-hmm. in determining who gets first overall is I think it's the golden system or something like that. I can't fully the golden re- system something along those lines. Where essentially someone came up with this idea where once a team is mathematically eliminated uh, from the playoffs, that is when their timer essentially begins. And every point that they get from that point on kind of goes to this new standing. And the team with the most points gets the first overall pick. So if you're a legitimately bad team, yes, it is hard, but you have the most kicks at the can. So for instance, Detroit, they were actually, by the time the league uh, went on pause... Uh, we're already eliminated from the playoffs. So every point that they gained yeah. after this point would be put towards that. Whereas let's say a team on the bubble, like a Minnesota wild. Yeah. Maybe they're eliminated with two games left. So they only can get four points. Okay. Here's my counter to that idea. If you're a team that does intend to tank, then you would just be absolutely, you would try to be eliminated mathematically as soon as possible. But you then have to so win games after. Th- yeah. But so then you find ways to improve your roster, maybe even before the trade deadline. You try to be eliminated by December. <laughs> so that way you can just amass points the rest of the way that just by be, sheer volume. Yeah, that would be entertaining, actually, now that I think about it. I just still, I, my issue is that there's still an incentive to lose because to get to that point, you still have to be bad. So, yeah, I don't know. I want true parody, not fake parody. Sorry. Actually, I don't even really want parody, I just want everyone to be trying. Is that so much to ask and for? And eliminate the draft. Well, let's, that, that's another podcast. Yeah, that's another topic. So, 
I think it's time that we get into some questions. So for anyone watching this, if you've got some questions, I've seen a couple come through, um, throw them into the Twitch chat and we'll start getting into them. So for those of you uh, watch or listening to the recorded version of this on your favorite podcast services, uh, we do a Twitch stream of the show each and every time. You can find us at twitch.tv slash crash the pond. Yes, new uh, URL for the Twitch. Um, and if you want to help support the show, you can help us on there by... Uh, by subscribing if you have amazon prime you get one free twitch prime sub each and every time you get special emotes in the chat special badges next to your name and when it's kind of busier we'll prioritize your questions and yes this show will eventually end up on youtube we're kind of figuring out how to make it work with youtube with our existing channel um so we're thinking about you youtube uh just gotta figure it out so uh bonnie mentioned this in our twitch chat uh did you see that there was a kid that was granted um exempt status or uh accept, exceptional, exceptional status. status and it's the first time ever that someone was given exceptional status going into the whl uh is it the whl or the bchl so he is going in he's going from the bchl okay. to the whl and from Sportsnet, they're saying for the first time in WHL history, a player has been granted exceptional status. And so, yeah, I mean that that was gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it started out years ago in the the OHL, I believe. Yeah, I believe the OHL and, has done it multiple times. I think McDavid was given yeah. exceptional status. Yeah, McDavid, Tavares, um, I think Lafreniere got it in the QMJHL. So. I mean, yeah, it's it's still historical that it that it happens uh, for the first time in a league in a pretty significant league with so much history like the WHL. But I mean, this is a long time coming. Kids now are just so insanely good at such a younger age than we've ever seen with skills coaching, specialized coaching for skating, shooting, puck handling. Kids are basically machines by the time they're thirteen. Um, and so it's, it's no surprise that this is happening, uh, with the amount of money that parents are willing to spend on, on their kids' hockey careers. So here we are. <laughs> yeah. And we should add bionic Chris ad said, basically asked, what does that mean? Sorry, not familiar with exceptional status. So if you want to elaborate on that real quick. So I don't have the actual, uh, definition that the leagues use, but essentially this is a player who is below the age limit for junior, which I believe is 16 is the minimum age, major junior in Canada to be specific. So this is a player that can demonstrate that he can achieve, they can rise to exceptional status if he meets certain criteria, which I don't know what they are. Um, essentially, if you're just really freaking good. Uh, yeah. So think Connor McDavid, think John Tavares, where you're just too good for midget AAA. You're too good for the league that you're in. And so you can apply for it. And if granted, then you move up to uh, major junior where as a 15 year old, you're playing against guys who are up to 20. So that's a pretty big, I mean, think about the difference in yourself just personally from age 15 to age 20. That's a different person physically. Um, and so you're definitely stepping up, but the guys that make that jump, they're making it because they can handle it because they're good enough to do it. Yeah. Uh, George asked us a question uh, and I asked him to clarify and he just did. His question was basically, do the Ducks almost, or sorry, do the does the league almost go into a lockout? Which I think he's basically saying they're going to lock out the rest of the season, and then you just have the draft, and then uh, so well, so that's just saying, will the season get? Canceled? Yeah, basically, will the season get canceled? The KHL canceled their season. The ECHL canceled their season. I well, the ECHL is more of a financial thing. Yeah, um, but I think that. With uh, with the, the KHL canceling is pretty surprising to me because they were still having playoffs as recently as like two weeks. They ago. were planning on it, and then it never happened. Well, then a bunch of teams opted out, and they realized, oh yeah, this is probably a terrible idea. Yeah. To me, the possibility that the NHL cancels the season is definitely greater than zero, um, and probably a lot higher than people think. So Ooh. yeah, that's definitely in play. I think it's honestly pretty low. as. Oh, I think it's pretty high. Um, well, high in relative terms. I don't think it's the likeliest scenario, but I think it's a real possibility. And I'm not saying that that's what they want to do. I'm just saying that their hands might get forced because the longer this goes on, the closer it's going to be to next season. And then what do you do? Yeah. So I would I would hate to see that happen personally because I want to see the Stanley Cup get awarded. I want to see the best teams 
go at it in the playoffs. But if it gets canceled because, you know, the world is taking the current threat seriously, well, that's it's not the end of the world either. If, and this is, yeah, I, I think I want to echo what you just said. But if you're a GM that decided to go for it at the deadline and the season gets yeah. canceled, how mad would you be? I think that someone in that position would probably be really mad at the league and then probably in a few weeks would cool off and realize it's the right decision. There's absolutely nothing I could do. Yeah. There is no way I could have seen this coming. I made the right the draft I went. made the right call with my trades. Yeah. So and really how many teams this year at the deadline totally mortgaged the future to go for it? I don't think there's that many. No. Some did go for it, but you didn't see like a Columbus lot. Yeah. Right? That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Columbus of last year for, yeah. for reference. And then I guess the only other thing I briefly want to touch on is Eric Stevens had a really good Trevor's egress article uh, come out. And so I'll be really curious if the NHL does come back, what this means for the AHL. Um, if the AHL goes into a playoffs also and kind of follows suit with the NHL going on points percentage. And if that does mm-hmm. happen, does Trevor's egress sign and get in some games? Uh, Alex Turcotte had actually right before the league shut down had signed his NHL contract and was going to, he was going to play, he was going to play, he was, in, he was going to play in Ontario. And so was Zgrass getting ready to follow suit once BU was eliminated, uh, from a potential national championship tournament. Um, who knows? There, there's no way of really knowing. It almost seems from the quotes in the article that he's kind of determined to go straight to the ducks. He doesn't really want to go back, but it doesn't, it, it's yeah. not a guarantee. So we'll see. It would not be shocking to me if he signs and plays for the goals if there is an AHL playoff, though. Yeah, ah, uh, man, I, it's so hard to even think about right now. Completely, I, but I, it's not. I feel like we're. I. I well, I mean, it, it's not. It's not uh, pointless to do it because these are things that do have to be considered as far as the playoffs. But yeah, I do think just overall, Zgrass's next move is going to be the NHL or pro. Yeah, hockey. and I think I, I I feel like he's less likely to go back. And I think it's a good light at the end of the tunnel for Ducks fans. Is if yeah. the if go. the AHL's playoffs do happen, I think more likely than not, Trevor Zgrass will be on that San Diego Goals team, which will be really exciting. Yeah. And I think you and I will probably be watching every Goals playoff game if that is the case. Well, if Zgrass, um, so once Zgrass is in the system you know, at the NHL level, he's probably their best young player since Getzlaff and Perry. Um, since Bobby Ryan. Yeah. I mean, Bobby Ryan was drafted number what, two. second overall. Yeah. Number two overall. Yeah. Do we think he would go number two in a redraft? Uh, maybe, um, real quick. Bionic Chris had this interesting question. I want to take a quick mm-hmm. look. He said, where do you see Trevor Zegras right now? Skill wise, compared to Troy Terry at that same age. So that's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. He's definitely way more skilled. And the I wanted to just quickly bring up. So Troy Terry in his first year at the university of Denver, put up 13 points in 41 or 22 points in 41 games. Trevor Zegras on the other hand, and I'm looking it up to get the exact number correct, but he was over a point per game. For Boston University, he was at 36 points in 33 games um, during his time at Boston University this past year. So, it's actually it's actually pretty ideal that they both played college hockey because it makes the comparison a little cleaner. Yeah, different conferences, but still same kind of general format. So, it's a good comparison to make, or good you can make the comparison and really see how high level of skill Trevor Zegras had. And I should add that. Boston University wasn't necessarily a great team this year. They were kind of middle of the road. And so I think that even makes it more impressive what he was able to do. Because if you were to look at, I've looked at the points of the different lines, because when they were playing, someone would tweet out the different lines that they had. The line that he was on just had so many more points than any other line on the team. Mm -hmm. And it was noticeable. So um, really exciting stuff, at least on that front for the ducks moving forward. So, I think that's going to do it, though, for tonight. First time for Crash yeah, the Pond. the maiden voyage. The maiden voyage. Well, for today, I'm going to plug a couple things. The main one is check out our website, crashthepond.com. That is our home. We're not going anywhere. Uh, we had a safe landing <laughs> from the, the transition, so 
check that out. If you haven't found us on Twitter yet, it's at Crash the Pond. We're going to have articles up Monday through Friday. We're going to have the podcast weekly, and we're we're an open book. So if you have suggestions, if you have something you want to see discussed in these times where we're trying to give you as much content as we can, let us know. That's going to help. Um, so check that out. Uh, Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91. I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. If you love what we do here, if you want to support us further, um, go to our Patreon page, which the URL has been changed. Yes. If I'm not yes. mistaken. Yes. Okay. So patreon.com slash crash the pond. That is our new home on Patreon. Well, it's the same home, but with a different name, yes. different branding. I, um, I, I want to add that if you are a patron already, you need to do absolutely nothing. Uh, yeah. If current patrons need not current, worry. Current subs on Twitter or on Twitch, same thing. You don't have to do anything. If you, as you probably know, if you're listening to this, if you are subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts, you do not have to do anything to keep listening. You may have noticed it. It looks a little yeah, different now. We, we're still figuring out everything else. Spotify, we're, we're in the process of figuring out still. YouTube, figuring yeah. out. But if you're a patron, yeah. if you're a Twitch subscriber, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or anything that kind of pulls from Apple Podcasts, uh, you will be good to go moving forward. Yes. So, um, yeah. So for a dollar a month, you get access to our patrons-only Discord chat and... That is something that we're kind of figuring out right now, what that's going to look like. Uh, that was during regular season times. That is where we have our live in-game chat. So when the Ducks play on weeknights in Pacific Standard Time, we have a live in-game chat. And it's a lot of fun, really productive discussion. Um, it's a lot of banter too. So that's for a dollar a month. And in the next few months, we're going to figure out uh, what we're going to do with that. And then for $5 a month, uh, you get access to that, and you also get access to two additional bonus episodes a month from us. This is where we go a little more off script. You know, we talk about the Ducks, obviously, still, but we go a little more into the NHL at large. We sometimes do wrestling. Uh, we're a little all over the place there, but it's a lot of fun if you enjoy uh, maybe the lighter side of this show, the the banter, then I think that one is going to be a lot of fun for you. Um, so yeah, that's at patreon.com slash crash the pond. We are on YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher that is being sorted out. We will have a more specific link for you in the following days and episodes. But for now, uh, Patreon and Twitter, and as well as the website, those are the ones to lock in on if you do want to support us. And of course, if you've been a longtime listener of the show, um, and maybe you haven't voiced your opinion yet, we would really appreciate if you left a review on Apple Podcasts. That is a way to support us that goes a long way in a permanent way and uh, that doesn't cost anything to you outside of maybe a couple minutes of your time. We love hearing from you guys. And uh, like I said, those reviews really do go a long way. So on that note, we're going to wrap it up for the first Crash the Pond podcast episode. We hope you enjoyed the show and we will be back next week to talk about Whatever else we find to discuss, Dex-related, we will talk to you then. Bye!